So in that book, um, we find the plan of salvation. We find how we're supposed to live. We find promises for things uh, that we struggle with. We find hope. In the Word of God, you can find keys and solutions and answers to all kinds of problems that life throws at us. But not only that, the book is also uh, filled with things that are prophetic or foretelling. In other words, things that are going to happen. Uh, if, you, if you study the scripture, you'll find in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah wrote in great detail about the Messiah. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus gets on the scene and uh, the description in Isaiah chapter 53 that the prophet wrote about the death of the Messiah was to the letter. And it's fascinating because the word of God is forever settled. It's, it doesn't die, it doesn't end, it doesn't fade away. And so it's the cornerstone of every Christian's relationship with God. And so if you haven't read the book of Revelation, or maybe you have, I'll just tell you this, that that book was a, a re, was a vision that God gave to this guy, John. And when John starts talking about this and writing this of things that are going to come and things that are going to happen, you have to, it's, it's really very difficult book to understand. How many of you have read it before and find it very confusing, right? There's things that he talks about and there's descriptions of things that he makes. And you have to understand when you're talking about the book of Revelation that he wrote this a couple thousand years ago. And he was seeing things that were going to happen in our day. And so he used the best description he could, to, could use to describe with what he knew what he was seeing. So now where we live, we can find that many of the things we read in the book of Revelation make a lot more sense now. Because we know what he was trying to say. It's a very difficult book to try to, to just you know, get a cup of coffee and just read the book of Revelation. It's a difficult book to read, but there's people that have devoted their entire ministry to studying the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, and different places in the Gospels where Jesus talked about things that were going to come. And so we're going to kind of start out today talking about what that looks like. And, and there's really two things that I would like to see happen today. And one, the first one, the most important, is if you do not know Jesus Christ, I want you to find Him before you leave today. Right? Because that's why we're here. That's what we're doing. We do this every week because we want people to know Jesus. The second thing is if you have not really thought about the return of Christ and, or maybe you've known about it your whole life but you just kind of pushed it off to the side, I want to kind of refresh that in your mind because there's something very important about knowing that Christ is returning for us. There's something key to our walk with God that if we understand and know that the end is coming and He's going to come and take us away, that's a, that's a big part of what we do, what we believe in. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going, to, we're going to talk about it from the perspective of the disciples. Whenever they came to Jesus, things were changing. Jesus' ministry was getting close to an end on the earth. And so the disciples had been listening to Him teach and talk about things that were going to come and things that were going to happen. And so one day, uh, there was a few of them together and they just... They wanted to understand a little bit more about what his plans were. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 14. We're just kind of slip in here in this conversation. He's talking to his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God and believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, this is the key. I will come back 
and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Verse 4, he says, you know the way to the place where I am going. He makes it a statement. He doesn't ask them, do you guys know what I'm talking about? He doesn't say, do you guys know what, uh, where I'm headed? No, he just makes the statement, you know the way I'm headed. And then Thomas, he says, well, probably what all of us would have said, Lord, we don't really know what, where you're going, so how is it we know the way? I mean, help us out here a little bit. And Jesus answered in verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is a cornerstone of our salvation, folks. This is the cornerstone. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And he makes this statement, which I find is amazing. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So he, these disciples, they're a little confused. He's, Jesus starts talking about heaven. He starts talking about a place that he's going to to prepare for all the people that follow him. And they're like, hold on a second, time out. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, sure you do. You know the way. You know where I'm headed. You've been with me a couple of years. You've, you've followed me. I've taught you. You've seen me. You've, I've shown you the way. Well, hold on, time out. I don't really understand. What is the way? I'm the way. Well, can you show us the Father? I've already done that too. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's the problem, guys? I mean, come on. You're a little slow here. Catch up. And so Jesus explains to them, don't overthink this. I've spent a couple of years with you. I've poured my, my life into you. I've taught you. I've trained you. You know where we're going. No, you can't see it. No, it's not tangible. You can't grab hold of it. But you have to trust the words that I'm saying to you. If you know me, you know the Father. If you know me, you know where I'm heading. If you know me, you know the truth, you know the way, and you have life abundant. So we, don't, we talk about a lot of stuff. We preach about a lot of things. And really, it's all geared around the four things, right? The four things that we do here. Know Jesus, right? Isn't that the first one? We talk about it all the time. Know freedom. Have freedom in your life. Be free from sin, from addiction, from vices, from things that keep you from Christ. And then finding your purpose. Why does that matter? It matters because we are not just people here to breathe air and eat food and die. We're here to make a difference in our world. We're here to be light. We're here to be salt. We're here to make a change. We're here to help somebody else find Christ. And then, of course, living in our purpose. Once you find your purpose, you don't just say, oh, that's nice to know. <laughs> we do something with it. We live our life now takes on a new meaning because I don't just get up, go to work, come home, go to bed, and do it again the next day. No. My life matters. Tomorrow I might run into somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and I might get the opportunity to share him with them. That's why I live. I have purpose. And so we focus on these things, but we don't always talk about some of the, the more theological things, right? Some of the more fancy, deep Bible things. All that's important. It's valuable. And so we're spending a couple of, uh, couple of weeks talking about some of those things that are to come so that we have kind of a focus. We refocus on some things that are important. And so the reason why we focus on knowing Jesus is so that everybody that we come in contact with can have the opportunity to have the same hope that you and I have experienced. There is nothing greater in this life than to know that if I pass from this life in a moment, I have hope beyond this world. There's no greater hope than to know that when I lay down tonight and sleep, I can sleep peacefully knowing that my heart and my soul is anchored in a hope that is beyond this world. 
we live, that is our strength. No matter how difficult life becomes, no matter what kind of problems come our way, no matter what kind of opposition we face, we always know that Jesus Christ is there with us. He walks with us. He hears our prayer. The Bible says that He hears every prayer and He scoops them up and He holds them. He's aware of them. He talks about in the, in the New Testament when Jesus is teaching. He says, look, don't you know that your heavenly Father knows every sparrow that falls out of their nest, then how much more is He not aware of you, one of His creations that has the breath of life inside of you? Jesus knows who you are today. Look at your neighbor. Elbow him. Jesus knows you. Tell him. Amen. So you can't leave today without knowing Christ if you do not know Him. And the only way we know where He's going is if we know him right you know what he told the disciples he says you know where i'm going because you know me and if you know me you know the father so knowing christ is key to the direction of our life to the purpose of our life and ultimately to the end of our life the beyond this life so the next big question the one that's been echoing through the ages is well okay he said he was going to come it's been over two thousand years now i mean Not that anyone's counting, but (laughs) hello, at what point is it not true anymore? Well, if you believe the Word of God, it doesn't matter if there's another 2,000 years ahead of us, He is coming back. Because the Word of God is forever settled. The same words that spoke our earth into existence are the same words that spoke into time. God is not relegated by our 24-hour clock. Right? Time, he views it from a completely different perspective than you and I do. So, so when he told the disciples, I'm coming back, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back for you, those guys probably thought they'd see him next year. They probably thought next Christmas he's back. <laughs> but they have gone. Generations have passed. But there's enough truth in the Word of God that we can still stand believing. You know what? He could come back tomorrow. And what does that matter to you and I? Well, I think it matters a lot because I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss a moment like that. If I'm alive, I don't want to miss the return of Christ for those of us that are believing in Him. And so the disciples, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they got, they got Jesus by Himself one time, and they are like, you know, you told us a lot of stuff and told us about a lot of things to expect and a lot of events, and but could you just kind of... Tell us, when will these things happen, they said. And what will be the sign that all of this is going to be fulfilled? What do we look for? And so you can read it in Mark chapter 13. Jesus starts talking about things to look for. And he starts explaining things. And he's telling them, you know, you're, you're, going, to see, you're going to see wars in nations around the world. You're going to see famine that's, that's like the world has never seen before. You're going to see some bad things happen. You're going to see persecution of, of believers in me. You're going to see those people persecuted. Listen, folks, you can look at WBAL, read the newspaper, and read Mark chapter 13, and, and you can almost line by line see exactly what Jesus was talking about. We're seeing a lot of these things happening in our world today. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, he's telling them we, they need to look for these kind of signs. We're seeing these kind of signs. We're seeing that. And it was interesting, you read, read Mark chapter 13, it's pretty cool, because Jesus says, uh, the sun will become dark. I'm thinking, dude, we got an eclipse coming. <laughs> <laughs> and 
So there's so many things that are happening in our world that, that if you look in the Scripture, you don't even have to dig very deep. You can just look at these passages and see that what Jesus was talking to them about, we're seeing those things come about. We're seeing them happen. Nobody, the Bible also says, Jesus says this, he says, nobody knows the exact hour of the time. Only the Father knows this. And so it's not for us to know the day. It's for us to be prepared for any day. It's not for us to know the exact moment so we can make sure we got all of our ducks in a row at that exact moment. No, that's not how this works. This is a walk of faith. This is a walk with Jesus. This is a daily walk when we're walking with our, our Savior and we're sharing our hope, uh, the hope of the gospel with other people. We're being a light to the world. We're being ready so that when He does return, we're not sitting around thinking, oh, we should have probably done something about this, right? <laughs> no, it's not like that guest that shows up on a Tuesday morning and your house looks like a bomb went off on the inside and you're like kicking stuff under the rugs and in the closets and don't open that door. I saw a funny commercial. I don't even remember what the commercial was about, but it was a picture of this, this young lady. She's in bed and she gets a text message. And the text message says, I'll be over in a minute with my mom. Heart, heart, heart. And she has this panic look on her face. She jumps out of bed and she's literally like flying through the house, stuffing stuff everywhere because the house is an absolute disaster. That's not how this works. <laughs> Part of being a follower of Christ is having your house ready at any moment. And the Bible, we talk about this often around here. Know ye not that your body is the temple? That's the house. This is where he lives. And so I can't let a lot, of, a lot of junk live in here if he could come back at any moment, can I? I can't let my house be in disarray in case he happens to pop over unannounced, right? There's so many descriptive terms that Jesus uses. He, he uses the term a thief in the night. Well, no one's ever prepared for a thief in the night, are they? That's why we have, well, maybe you don't have a weapon. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're never prepared for the thief of the night. Who's ever ready for that? Oh, I've been waiting on you. Glad you showed up. No, it never happens, right? He uses these kind of descriptions to explain to us that his return, it's imminent, but we just don't know when. And I don't know why God chose to do it that way. I don't know why God chooses to do a lot of things. I don't know why God chose preaching to be the, mes the mechanism to help people find Christ. I don't know why he chose that, but he did. He chooses not to tell us that moment. Maybe it's because he knows how we are. Amen. <laughs> so Andrew's life has been on the rails for about a couple of months. I've had so since October, I've had a wedding. I'm sorry, I've had two weddings, and then we've had we have a grandbaby coming. And so that's a lot in less than a year. I mean, I'm, I'm not catching up very fast. I'm really lagging behind on this whole deal. But we've had more events at our house over the last few months that, I mean, I just can't wrap my head around it. The thing is, how many of y'all know this is true? An event is coming in your house, and you know you've got like 67 things to do. If you look at my text messages, my wife sends these lists. Um, we got a, uh, a couple things we have to do before next Saturday. <laughs> You know, I can't even fit it on one screen. I need, like, the long screen. So, and, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm not a procrastinator at all. Just kidding. So, you know, Saturday's coming, and, I mean, I, don't, I try my best. You know, it's three weeks out. I'm like, I'm going to be on top of this. I'm going to get on top of this. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to, you know, Saturday's going to roll around, and we're like, just chill, sipping some coffee, just watching cartoons. I don't know, just something. It's never that way. 
It's chaos right up to the last second. You know, you're just scrambling, trying to get everything. Maybe that's why he didn't tell us when he's coming. <laughs> because he knows that's how we are, right? We live like the devil. Five minutes before he shows up, we've got to try to clean everything up. <laughs> Y'all looking at me like, I ain't like that. <laughs> right? I don't know why he chose to do it that way. But we don't know. So what he did tell us was, Start being aware. In fact, he uses a description in Mark 13 that's pretty cool. He says, you know how, if you, and I don't, I don't know anything about fig trees. I've told you guys about my farming skills. They just don't exist. But back in those days, people knew these kind of things, right? And so he said, you can tell the season's changing when the fig, the fig tree is tender, the buds are on the edges, and you know the season. You don't have to look at a calendar. You can look at the tree and know. And so he uses that analogy for these guys. And he says, you're going to be able to look at the fig tree and tell that I'm coming soon. And so we can look at that proverbial fig tree when we read the newspaper, we listen to the news, we watch the news, we hear current events. We know that the things that Jesus talked about in Scripture are definitely coming to pass. Pastor Scott's going to talk about this a little more next week, but... You've got to recognize where we are. But here's the thing that Jesus said in verse 37. He says, what I say to you, Peter, James, John, Andrew, he's talking to them. He said, I say to everyone, watch. And the Bible has a little explanation point after that, watch. Maybe he raised his voice when he said watch. The point is what I was just talking about, being aware. Being aware. Knowing that the end is coming, knowing it may not be tomorrow, it may be tomorrow. So I have to live today like it is going to happen today. Now, you know, I, I was raised in church, and, and um, we had this guy in our movement, in our organization. Dude, this, this preacher, man, he preached all over the country, and he would preach about things that were coming. Like, he would, he would get all this, uh, he would read about things that were happening in the in the global market. He would read about technology that was coming out. And this was back in the old days, right? When we didn't have all the tech we have today. So I remember as a kid listening to this guy preach and I'm telling you what, he would scare the petunias off of me. I mean, I knew that before I left the building that day, I mean, there were going to be soldiers in the parking lot to haul me off, to cut my head off because I, I believed in Jesus. Uh, the next day, you know, the end of the world was going to come crashing down. The moon was going to fall out of the sky. The, the end was imminent. It was happening. So, I mean, I would come to the altar, tears running down my face, scared half to death. <laughs> Just knew it was going to end. Then they had this, this, this other group that would go around with these movies. And this, I, I use the word movie very, very extremely loosely here. They were... I don't know why. I need a walker up here. I'm about to date myself. You guys remember the, the reels on the projectors, right? That would eight millimeter, right? That, and you, you had to do this to keep up. You know, I, the, they would they would bring these these reels, um, and they would show them at church events. And it was it was about the mark of the beast. It was about the end times. It was about the, the, the rapture, the catching away. And I remember as a kid being freaked out of my mind. Because <laughs> they would show on this, in this movie, these guys, these Christians would get marched to the guillotine. They'd have their heads chopped off. I'm like, I'm just a kid. I don't want this to happen to me. <laughs> right? So I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I was like, there's kind of this litmus test. If you're raised in church, how many of you grew up in church? 
All right, then any, any one of you that grew up in church had that moment when you came home and everybody was supposed to be home, but nobody was home. <laughs> and that was before cell phones and pagers and all that other stuff, right? So you come in the house, mom, silence. Mom, question mark, silence. Mom, <laughs> silence, you're searching through the rooms, there's nobody there. And you just knew that Christ returned and you are left. So immediately... Okay, what does a 10-year-old think? Immediately, I can't find my parents. I'm freaking out, and all I'm thinking about is the communists are going to come cut my head off. I've been tortured, tormented. <laughs> yeah, growing up in church is awesome. <laughs> right? The point is all these things are our way of, of really ringing a bell, right? Really just, and, and, and we kind of push away from that because, you know, I went, to, I went to seminary, I went to Bible college, and, and we would study the study of the end times, eschatology, a big fancy word. And I, I would be like, you know, okay, I just need to get the grade, right? Just give me the grade. Let me move on to the next thing. It doesn't, it's, to me, it's like, okay, that's all amazing stuff, but I just want to know how to live today. And I'm not belittling that stuff at all. My point is, I don't focus a lot of energy there. But let me tell you something. There's a danger to that. We need to be very aware that we are definitely supposed to be watching because Christ is coming and there will be a time when he will catch all of us away. All the believers will leave this earth to be with him forever. That will one day happen. And I don't know about you. I don't know what's going to happen after that. But I don't, in case those movies were right, I don't want to be here. I'd just soon be with him wherever he is. I figure that's the best place to be. Right? And so it's important that we have an awareness. And it's not meant, I don't know that Jesus really meant this to create anxiety or fear when he said, I want you to watch. I don't think he was trying to freak everybody out. I think he was trying to help us understand that we have a purpose on this earth. You, look at your neighbor and tell him you have a purpose. Act like you like the person you're sitting beside. Christian and Olivia are doing a good job of that. You have a purpose. And it's not just to live and die. Your purpose is to shine a light into darkness. There's a lot of people. I know that we can... I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around this, but it's true. There are people in this country, there are people that I meet that do not know anything about Christ. They have no knowledge of Jesus at all. And let me tell you something, that is not right. That is not God's plan. And the purpose that we have in this earth is to make sure everybody we know knows about Jesus and knows that he can help them with whatever they're struggling with. That's our purpose. And so being aware and, and being alert and watching. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is what I'm talking about. This, this catching away. This is where it comes from. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we are still alive and are left. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That's pretty amazing. I mean, it sounds a little, you know, alien-esque and a little science fiction involved here. But let me tell you something. When God has a plan, He has a plan. It doesn't really matter how we frame it, how we form. We cannot understand the workings of God 
we get small little snippets of how he functions and how he reveals himself. And those things usually blow our mind, right? So we don't know how he has all of this formulated. But I will tell you this. I don't know exactly what it'll look like. I don't know if those words are kind of a a word picture or if it's going to be just like that. I don't know if I'm going to be standing here talking to you one minute and then I'm like literally sailing through the air. I don't know what all that looks like. I do know this. If you're a believer and you have passed from this life, you will rise again. I know that because the Bible says it. And if you're alive when he returns, you will leave this earth. I don't know how that will happen. I don't know if it will be like you blink your eyes and you're just somewhere else. I don't know. But I do know that it will happen. And I do know that I have a responsibility to be ready. To be ready. Well, is there a second chance in case you miss the first train? I don't know and I don't really care. I just want to make sure I catch the first one. Right? I don't want to wait around and see what happens if I miss the first bus. So I don't think he did all this to scare us. In fact, the reason why I know he didn't is because the last verse, verse 18 in this passage, it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, there's something powerful about that little passage of Scripture right there. First of all, it's the fulfillment of the promise that Christ made to his disciples that I started out with in John 14 when he said, I'm going to come back for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's, that's what it's referring to. I'm coming back. It's going to happen like this. And this is what's going to happen. And I want you to know that that is supposed to be something that is an encouragement to believers. It's supposed to give us hope when we don't really, we really don't see hope in that. We're, we're supposed to be aware that whenever that moment happens, we will be with Christ forever. All of our anxiety, our fear, our struggles, our addiction, our pain, our suffering, gone. No more tears, no more heartache, no more, no more frustration, no more getting up on Monday morning with an alarm clock. Come on, somebody. Just all this stuff is over. There's peace. There's where we're finally with the King of Kings forever. I don't know what's going to happen after that. I don't have all that figured out, but I just know that if you're with Christ, your chances of a loving life are going to be a lot higher than without him. Right? Can I just make it plain? This is why we want people to know Christ, so that they're ready for this day. This is why we want people to find freedom, so they're living a life ready for this day. This is why we want you to find your purpose, because you're helping somebody else be ready for that day. And this is why we live a life of purpose, because we know that I'm spreading this good news and hope for all mankind. We're watching and we're ready. This is supposed to be a message of encouragement. In fact, the early church faced a lot of persecution. The Roman Empire believed that their emperor was God. And so they had all kinds of temples to all kinds of gods. And, and of course, the emperor was also a deity. And the Christian people knew that that was not true. They knew there was only one true living God. And so they faced a lot of persecution. And actually, the word Maranatha, it actually is an Aramaic word, which means the Lord is coming or come, O Lord. That was the greeting that the early church began to spread because they were giving each other hope that don't worry about the chaos that we're living in. Our Lord is coming. It actually changed from a Jewish greeting that used to be shalom, which was peace. They changed from that and went to Maranatha because they knew that the only true peace that would ever come is when Jesus returned to take us out of this place. So our life might not face persecution. Our life may be pretty good. But let me tell you something. When things get dark and things get difficult and pressure comes, there's some hope in knowing that one day I will not have to live with this pain and this pressure anymore. Can I get a good old amen? Knowing that sometimes, you know, the frustration and the, and the weariness of life just gets to be too much. I kind of feel that, you know, we live in a, very, in a very blessed society. Most of us don't have 
a lot of severe misery and heartache and, and pain. We all face it, but we don't live in hopeless situations in most cases. And I think sometimes we kind of lose, lose a little bit of our... Um, just we kind of detach ourselves from what the promise of heaven is about. Right? It's not some little place in the sky with little fat angels with little bitty wings and harps and you sit on clouds and whatever with the Care Bears. <laughs> Man, I really just sounded old today. <laughs> That's not what heaven is. Heaven is... Heaven is the recreation of what God intended when he built this earth to begin with. A place of perfection. If you can imagine every great moment of your life, you know, when you're on vacation and, you, you know, you wake up early and you're at the beach and you see the sunrise, or if you wake up late and you see the sunset, those moments in nature when you see something that's so beautiful that you're just like awe-inspired, those moments when you're sitting with your family and you're just at peace. Those moments when you're, when you're relaxed. Those moments when you hear great news, like a grandbaby's coming and you get really excited. Those moments, those emotional moments in your life that you would rate as tens, right? High. That's just the beginning, a sneak peek of what heaven is built to be like. Because when God created this earth, he did not create it with the pain and suffering that you and I are familiar with now. He created this place, a place of perfection, a place of beauty. And he meant for us to enjoy it. So it's not some fictitious thing. It's a reality. And what he is preparing for us is a place that we were designed to be in. And we've gotten so far removed from that that I feel like sometimes we just don't really remind ourselves often that one day he's coming for us and he's going to take us out of this world. I read a story about uh, an American pastor who had gone to Ecuador on a missions trip and went into a... Um, into a house uh, of a very impoverished lady, who, a single mom with like seven kids, uh, horrific poverty. And the missionary asked the pastor if he'd like to minister to the lady, and, and he just didn't even know what to say. And so the missionary stepped in and took the lady by the hands and prayed with her and said, listen, I want you to remember this. You love God, God loves you, and he's coming to take you away. He's going to take you out of here to a place that's greater than you can ever imagine. And they left that place, and the pastor was crying. His family was with him. They were crying. And he was like, man, I'm sorry. I just didn't even know what to say to that lady. And the, the missionary told him this. He said, it's no problem. I'm used to that. You minister in a very different arena than I do. And he said, there's one thing, though. He said, if the people in our world only knew how great heaven was, they wouldn't love this world so much. And they too would long to be with the Lord forever. Man, that resonated with me. We get very comfortable with our life. And that's okay. It's okay to be happy in your life. Don't misunderstand. Don't be afraid because Christ is returning. Be encouraged by it. Live your life. Do well in your life. Be a light. In the scripture it says, it says that, that we should do well to live a quiet life to do well in our life so that when people look at us, they will recognize that God's hand is in our life. So I'm, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. What I am saying here is remind yourself that this is not the end game. Are you with me? This is not the end game. 
the new car, the fat retirement, all those things that we work towards and we adjust and we, we strive for, those are fine. But they cannot trump the purpose of our life. And that is to be prepared to take as many people with us, to get as many people prepared for the return of Christ as we can. That's why we're called here. Don't go in cashing your retirement because God's coming soon. Yeah. Don't go and say, you know what, I'll charge this credit card up just as high as I can because Christ is coming soon. I don't have to pay it back. (laughs) Whoop. No, that's not how this works. We're supposed to be what God called us to be, to do what God called us to do, to be examples of a godly lifestyle in this world because He is returning. Worship team, you guys can come.